It's the Locked On Canes podcast where it's all about the you. I'm your host, Fred Perdue. I'm joined by my boy Kelvin Harris of the 1987 National Championship team as a guest host for you guys today. What's going on, Kevin? Oh, slow motion. How's it going with you? Man, it's going great, man. It's it's great to have you back on the show, man. Uh, we're here to preview the Pitt Panthers versus Miami Hurricanes game today. And before we get going, of course, we got to promo some stuff. So we have you got to pay a couple bills. So make sure you go follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Canes. Always make sure you go leave us your questions there uh, for our weekly mailbag segment. So we got a couple of those to answer in a little bit later on in the show. Uh, Kelvin, tell me, tell the fans where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, at Ebony Lifestyles. That's E B O N Y. L-I-F-E-S-T-Y-L-E-S. Ebony Lifestyles. And you can catch me on Twitter at FredPurdueCFB. We have a lot to unpack for this show. Uh, so just to start off a little bit, we have uh, the Miami Hurricanes. We're fa- they're facing off against the Pitt Panthers. And just some quick news and notes. Uh, the, we have a quarterback situation that has somewhat been figured out. And... Nikosi Perry has been named the uh, the starting quarterback after some rumors of maybe just waiting until game time to get this thing figured out. What say you? Is this, is this a smart move by Manny Diaz, or did he tip his hand just a little too early? No, I mean they're very similar quarterbacks, so it's not like it was a. It's not like one of them is a wishbone quarterback and one of them is a air raid quarterback. They're basically the same guy. One of them may be a little bit more mobile maybe have a stronger arm but the other one may be a little bit more accurate but it's the same game plan so it's not that big of a deal definitely uh for me i don't think manny really tipped his hand too early i mean we know jaron has the issues with the shoulder we know nikosi has the issues with the shoulder so at some point either way you have you have damaged goods regardless i think the game plan is going to be simple and we'll kind of go over that a little bit later uh but also, you have some news from yesterday uh, where, where we have guys that are injured, the injury list, and we, we know how this thing goes. It's been kind of lingering since last week. Uh, Michael Pinckney out for this game, Zach McLeod in for this game, which McLeod, this is his last game under that new red shirt rule. I mean, wouldn't you have loved to have that rule back in the day when you could just start four games, get an idea of what you want want to do with a guy, and then, you know, Stash them away for the following following years. Those Miami Hurricane teams would have been stacked had that rule been a thing back then. Yeah, you've been able to get red shirt and get some experience, but um, yeah, I'm I'm happy to see that they got it going down for these kids. It's a good deal. Definitely, and uh, DJ Dallas also injury with the knee. He'll be traveling with the team, uh, but there's he's a game time decision, which means you might see a little bit of. Robert Burns a little bit, which, I mean, we haven't seen much of him at all, if any, and it might be a different bit of a changeup. I mean, DJ is not the, the most explosive guy in the world, but he gets the tough yards when it matters. Yeah, and they want to get bigger backs, so, you know, it'd be nice to see Burns run downhill in there, him and Cam, uh, or downhill guys, and I think, uh, you know, we, we need to be dedicated to the run this week. So it might turn out in our favor to have Burns in there because he's gonna, you know, he's gonna get some positive yards. Now, when I look at 
now when I look at Tra- on the defensive side, Trajan Bandy, uh, he had a he had a bit of a he was nicked up, and, but he's considered fine for this week. Uh, he any other program when I, as I'm looking at this secondary, it's it seems like he doesn't he doesn't need to be a guy on the outside, and it seems like any other program. He was at Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, USC. Georgia, he'd be a, a nickel guy exclusively, but he's having to tough it out and play on the outside, and it's it's showing the wear and tear on his body. He's not the biggest guy in the world. He is an interception machine waiting to happen. He has great instincts, but he's just he's gen- physically he's just not big enough. Well, I mean, um, he got the dog in him. He, um, you know, he's got good cover skills. He's got good foot speed. Got great instincts, and he's got. Um, really good vertical, vertical leap. So that gives him a chance in the 50-50 balls, and he's um, able to play inside and outside. But he uh, he he's a pretty good corner. I mean, he's just five nine. But um, you know, at other places maybe he would play a little bit more inside. But you know, as far as just pure ability, there's not a lot of corners I think that have just a raw package of talent better than this now last but not least we do have to talk about Tate Martell because the quarterback thing has been a controversy and I think it's going to be one of those things that's an ongoing thing throughout the rest of the year but I think Tate is settled in at receiver at this point I don't think he'll be much of a, a factor in the quarterback room but he's not going to be even traveling with the team out with a medical leave of absence uh, what could that mean? Is there are we should we look into this a little bit deeper? Uh, ooh, either he's sick or he's transferring. But it wouldn't be smart for him to transfer right now because uh, it's the eighth game of the season. You, know, you might as well just tough it out and yep. make your move in January. Because you know you never know what happens during the course of the season. You may end up starting two or three games and getting you some film out there that you know will help you at your next uh, destination. Yeah, it seems like he's ended up in a situation I don't think he would – it fits him the best because he wants to play quarterback. But I feel like he should should stay at the receiver position and honestly maybe stay at Miami where he can develop as a receiver – uh, he, those guys that transfer from the quarterback position to the wide receiver position tend to be able to be leaders in that wide receiver room because they're able to they understand the game from a quarterback's mindset, and I think that's going to be huge for him. But I, I really need he's going to have to be available, and availability is your biggest asset. Well, you know, it's just it may be a chance transition for him to get used to uh, not being that guy. I mean, you know, he's been a team player the whole year. But um, I don't know. You know, you don't know. You never know what the outside forces are. You know, girlfriend, a family, you know, a barber, somebody, you know, is telling them you should be playing. Why can't they play you this week? Or You need to leave. You know, you just, you know, hopefully he isn't getting that that rat poison, as Nick Saban would say, in his uh, in his ear, and it's just you know it is what it is. It's just a little medical situation that you know he he'll be back from next week. Definitely. Now Miami does have a big game against Pitt uh, this weekend, and that Miami for the first time all season is a underdog. They're a five and a half point underdog, and that's huge because 
when you look at the, how this team has played, they've been very they they've been very inconsistent on both sides of the ball, but they've lost games very close. In a sense, it reminds me of uh, Mark Rick's first year where they lost. Four, they started out hot, but then the remainder of the season they lost, if I remember correctly, to Florida State, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, and Notre Dame by yeah. a, a, a grand total of something like seventeen or eighteen points. And the following year, they came out and just dusted every single team, one of those teams, and turned everything around. So, you know, if that happens going forward, that'll be a great scenario. But right now, it just seems like this team is so very inconsistent. And they're going into a very hostile environment, a pit team that has a chance still at at this whole ACC coastal thing. Uh, Miami, unfortunately, is pretty much out of it at three and four. You know, they're they're out of this thing. It would take catastrophic failure from every single team, and then they need some help. Uh, Miami is actually currently last in the ACC Coastal at 3-4 and four overall and 1-3 and three in the conference with a, a one-game losing streak. With While Pitt on the, is on the other end of things at 5-2, and two, they're 2-1 two and one in conference. And right now they're sitting behind Virginia, who's – they're tied, so – uh, that that's going to be a very interesting thing at the very end of this thing. So, um, but this pit team Pat, led by Pat, uh, Pat Narduzzi, this is going to be a very interesting one because how do you, how do you attack this Miami team, especially a team that leads the country in sacks? And I mean, Manny Diaz said in his press conference earlier this week that they're averaging about five and a half sacks a game, which is almost double what Miami averaged a couple years ago when their defense was just just killing the league. Yeah. Yeah, they averaged uh, I think it's five point five point two sacks a game. And uh, they got, you know, five guys with three and a half sacks or more. So they're uh, they're gonna continuously bring in pressure. And um, and the best way to do that is to get short passes out and run the ball. Yeah, my. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say, and I think, uh, you know, gobble up some time of possession to keep them off the field, and uh, pray to God that Baxter can make a kick. <laughs> you know, we this kicking situation has been something that really has been just a big annoyance for the whole program, the fans, everything, and you know, it it seems like you have one job to do you know, make a kick, make chip shot kicks. It's not like you're, we're asking for 58 yard bombs at the end of games. We're asking for 35 yarders. Can I get a 17 yarder uh, for just an easy extra point? Can I get those? We can work on, give me that. And then we can work on the 35 yarder, the 45 yarder, you know, maybe even a 58 yarder. Cause Baxa has the leg to get it down the field, but the accuracy is just, it's lacking. And I think it's part of the guys up front, but it's also on him too. Yeah, it's, 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 um, it's correctable, but it's, it's a lot of it is mental and, um, there's no specific kicking coach, you know, former kicker who coaches plays kickers. So you gotta, you know, hopefully you get him with with someone that can talk his problem out and he can, you know, and mentally get, Get, get past it because um, you know the other kid Turner Davidson kid doesn't have any height on his kicks and it's a block kick waiting to happen 
So, you know, Bax is the best option. It's just whether or not he realizes it and steps up and makes you know, automatic kicks. Now, we're going to really get it. We're going to kind of dive into the meat of this of this game. You know, we talk, we're going to talk a little bit of pit uh, strengths as, as well as their weaknesses. We'll also dive into Miami's strengths and weaknesses on both sides of the ball. All right, so now let's talk about Pitt a little bit. So Pitt has a really good defense, and Pickett at quarterback is one of those guys. He's a very safe guy. He's not he's not going to push the ball down the field much. He's also not going to take a lot of risk. He's not going to take a lot of risk throwing into double coverage. What can my what what does this team have to do on their end to secure a victory? Because we're gonna. T- I know this is a Miami-centric show, but at the end of the day, we got to talk about both sides. Well, if they can move the ball and get the ball to the receivers, um, we're going to have a tough time beating them. Because they got, you know, a nice spectrum of wide receivers, and the quarterback is a pretty good passer. Matter of fact, he he leads uh, the Power 5 schools in uh, passing attempts a game. So we... um, we, we got to just keep it all in the bowl, not let him get outside the pocket, not let the uh, receivers get loose on those uh, short passes and screens, and just, uh, you know, play the coverage, uh, knock the ball out when they uh, when they have it exposed. Now, I think, uh, or when they, excuse me, when we have it exposed, I think they, um, they're going to make sure that Kenny Pickett is able to uh, distribute the ball to his playmakers because that's the one thing he does real well. That he does. He really does. That's a a big-time strength. I remember watching him as a freshman. As a matter of fact, he came in, and that was one of the things I liked about him early on was he's not going to kill you. He's not going to – he may not win you any games, but he won't kill you, and that's what a Pat Narduzzi type of guy is, a Michigan State type of – Michigan State type of – um, game manager. I hate calling quarterbacks game managers. I hate that term. But he is what it is. What he is. He is a game manager. Uh, now, speaking of that's their strength. What do you think their weaknesses are? What can Miami exploit when it comes to their weaknesses on either side of the ball? Well, um, on defense, it would be their linebackers. Um, they do have one guy that's been performing high, and that's Keelan Johnson, the transfer from Florida does a lot of blitzing but they don't take the run they don't take blocks on well as linebackers and you know the other two units are so strong that the uh, linebackers are that you know they're they're leading they're 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 bringing up the rear and i think if we can get to the second level and get a body on a body we can have some really big plays because their linebackers don't seem to be sound fundamentally sound other than johnson now, and, um, you know, we might be able to get the edge on them, and if we do, we'll be able to block it up. Now, the running game for Miami has been lackluster. Uh, it seems like we haven't had a hun- a, a big time outside of Cam Davis. I'm Cam Harris. Um, really having a, a big game against Georgia Tech. It hasn't been just one of those breakout games like you may have seen in yesterday's past, like from a Duke Johnson or a Lamar Miller, where they're just going crazy. 
does this can this offensive line just can they push these guys around? I mean, they're great at pass rushing, but what have we seen from those that defensive line that just gets after quarterbacks? What can this what can this offensive line do uh, different to kind of mitigate that pass rushing and help out? Well, um, last week they cut down their sacks again. I think it was like two or three, and for the most part, the quarterback didn't get hit from the backside. So, you know, you just got to get a hat on a hat and neutralize the blitz with maybe some screens, a draw, and, um, you know, because Pitt is really solid on defense. They got a pretty solid secondary. They got a couple guys back there that make plays. So they got a great front end, a really good, good back end, and in the middle, I think that's where the weakness is. You got to make them step it up there in the middle make them make tackles, make them chase the ball. And I think you can um, pretty much forecast them to make some mistakes. Now, I know you guys came for – you guys didn't come to hear about Pitt. You guys – this is the this is the Locked On Games podcast. So let's get to the real stuff, the good stuff. This Miami offense, uh, you have Nikosi Perry starting. You have Cam Harris, who I think was – uh, I actually thought he would be the lead guy and maybe DJ be the, the, the lightning to his thunder uh, going into the season. Didn't really happen that way. Uh, Jeff Thomas isn't playing in this game due to an, uh, to that previous suspension. He won't be back to the, for the, until the Florida State game. But when I look at how this offense is looking, it, one game it's up, one game it's down. I want to see more from the, pa- the quick pass game. Because it seems like both quarterbacks, whether it's whether it's Jaron Williams or Nikosi Perry, they're holding on to the ball a long time, and it hasn't been much of an adjustment done. I think if you you can get the ball out quickly, maybe go four wide, get some of the go trips, go doubles. These are some these are things that you can, you beat people with formations, make them have light boxes. The RPO game is what you want it to have anyway. If you have a light box, give if you have that light box, put guys in position where they can get the ball out of their hands. Give give the quarterback two plays in the huddle. These are all little things you can do, and I know Nikosi's capable of handling this. What what say you? What does this offense have to do to really just explode? Execute. I mean, honestly. Um, all the stuff that you named, they do do. They run the doubles, they run the trips. It's motions and shifts, and he does, for the most part, a good job of uh, getting the matchup he wants. Um, like, you know, last week's touchdown to K.J. Osborne, they, they put him in a great position on that backside where it was just him in the corner, and the throw was perfect, and the route was uh, pretty pretty good, too. And, you know, you you know you gotta you gotta be able to um, catch passes. I mean, it's a you know on on the, on the perimeter it's a game of matchups, and this this game here, this last game here especially, it stuck out like a sore thumb that there were just certain matchups he was looking for because he thought we could win, and uh, you throw the ball and you don't win, so that puts you in a bad way when you don't when you gamble and lose. Definitely, and I. No, I was just going to say that I think that's one of the, the, the main things that's hurting this team is execution. 
Yeah, the it, execution has been consistently inconsistent. And I feel like I've said <laughs> that so many times this season. It's It feels like a roller coaster. One game, you, you're getting... It, it, I can't even say it's one game. From series to series, it seems like there's just... It's like, can we string two or three series together? Can we run the ball consistently? And I feel like when the way this – I've heard so many people on the outside saying the offensive – it starts with the offensive line, and it does. The run game I thought would be so much better. The one thing that Miami has always been able to pride themselves on is being physical at the, at the line of scrimmage on both sides. And I don't see that. I see so much finesse now from this, these offensive linemen and even former linemen. Uh, Brett Romberg and, and Brian McKinney had a lot to say about that. Uh, on, and it, it's all, it all has to do with technique. For me, as an offensive lineman, as a former offensive lineman and a national championship offensive lineman, I got to put that respect on, on you. What are you seeing from this offensive line that maybe needs to change? Well, Big Mac hit it on the head. These kids, not just our kids, but this generation of old linemen, they don't use their hands real well, and they don't have a punch. I mean, when you let a guy, a defensive lineman, get into you, uh, he's got an endless amount of possibilities. You know, that happened. This happened a lot earlier with Zion Nelson, but he's starting to realize how to keep people off of him and just trust his feet. Now, does that lend itself to coaching, or is that just an unwillingness to actually take the coaching? Because you're bringing in NFL NFL offensive line coaches, but you're still seeing the results of kids that maybe are using the coaching that they they get from the high school level and they bring it to the college level. And and I agree with you. The 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 lack of hand usages. It's crazy to me that these guys are not using their hands. These guys are bigger, stronger, and faster than a lot of the guys that played when you were you were in your heyday. But now it's like you have and you have all the coaching in the world available to you, and it seems like they're not using it. Mm, yeah, I don't quite. You know, it's like. The O-line coaches, it's like there's seminars out there and there's clinics where you can get better, but it's at a lot of schools, especially inner city schools, it just doesn't seem that there's a desire to get better. And that, that, you know, what I'm teaching is, it may be old school, but it's worked for me in the past, and some of these guys aren't willing to change. Now, for me, offensively, I look at, I love the offensive line, but I also like these skill guys. I look at the the KJ Osborne's, who was a great addition to this team as far as a leader on this team. Uh, unfortunately, again, Jeff Thomas is not here, but you got to roll with what you got. D. Wiggins, he's going to have to step up big time. Also, Mike Harley, he's going to have to. He, I haven't seen a big game from him in a minute. I need to see some big, consistent plays from him. Uh, Brevin Jordan is the uh, essentially the go-to guy, and you he knows he's the go-to guy, so he's going to have to step up. Running backs are going to have to step up in the pass game as well. So, for me, it's going to take an overall effort to play against a physical team. It seems like the roles are reversed. You know, Pitt is the physical team where Miami used to be that team that was the – they were the bully on the block. Now they're not the bully on the block per se. And for me, you know, I always would say over the last few years – that I could lean with this offense that may start slow. I could lean on the defense and the special teams, but it seems like right now, you know, that may be may be a bit of an issue as well. 
we're going to talk a little bit of defense because we know that there's three sides to, to this whole game we call football. So we have the defense and special teams. All right, so with this, with, with this we got to talk defense. Manny Diaz has put his fingerprints back on the defense, and it seems like now that he's, gonna, he's, have, he's being a little bit more aggressive with that defense. And I think with that comes – unfortunately, you have the injuries, but I think you're going to see a little bit more of guys being able to just attack the quarterback. And if you can attack Kenny Pickett and get him off his platform, get him off of his – make his pocket dirty – you know how you, that's that's what we uh, the quarterback guys we all say make the pocket dirty make him uncomfortable make him feel the rush a little bit if they can do that i think pitt has a chance of really struggling and this defense can get back to the way it was a couple years ago hmm. they sold they sold and so we're reaping the, the back side of that soul selling right now as a program and expound on that. What do you mean by they sold their soul? Well, they kind of went for the cash, and then there was a time in the early part of this century, or excuse me, in this decade, 2010 to 2019, that college programs started to get a little nervous about the coaches having too much uh, power and influence. And so some of the programs started taking, I guess they took the program back and you know, you wait too long to uh, to get the, the, the lay of the land correct and to make sure that the coach understands your uh, your legacy and your brand. And it's like we went and we just we jumped on the, the, the Never Shapiro train, took the money, and worried about the consequences later. And probation has consequences, and we're seeing it. I think we'll be able to turn this around within the next two years to where we're back in the national title game. But, um, you know, it's not going to be easy. And I think that's what the fan base needs to be aware of, that this is going to be a difficult, not a rebuild, but a return to the you know glory days because it's not, it's not a given thing that you, you're one of five schools that win the title. You have to go out and you have to win it on the field. And I think these kids, they've been prima donnas all their life. A lot of them, they just need to get that in their mindset. And I think we'll be okay. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Uh, it seems like the days of a, a dominant defense, the days of uh, DJ Williams uh, day, the, and Jonathan Vilma, heck, we can even go back a little bit further, the Dan Morgan days. Those days are, are somewhat over, but I think you can return to that. But winning cures everything. And unfortunately, right now, <laughs> Miami's going through those dog days where – it's, it's just terrible. And I remember, and it seems like they've been stuck in this rut since about maybe 2005. Uh, I remember the, the Kyle Wright days. I know I'm taking it back a little too far, but a lot of you new Hurricane fans, you guys don't know what that what those days were like. You know, I, I, I remember, you know, the, the fall, I guess if you want to call it the fall of the dynasty, was the, the, uh, the Georgia Tech game in 2005 yeah. when Calvin Johnson went silly. Uh, before when John Tenuta and all of those guys were running, Reggie Ball was the quarterback there and all of that, where I remember a one Chevis Grant was just getting completely abused uh, on defense. And it, it just it seems like those those defensive guys don't really exist anymore uh, for this team. And, you know, for when I look at this defense currently, I say 
this defense reminds me of the same of the defenses of the Al Golden days. This defense reminds me of the defense of the early uh, of the Randy Shannon days because of the fact that there's no aggression. There's I mean you have three senior linebackers and nothing else. Greg Russo, I like him a lot. I really do, and I think he, he can really cause havoc. But you have to let him play free. You know, you can't you can't confine a guy like that. Uh, Nesta Silvera, he he was a he was supposed to be a big piece early on, and I think he can really he can eat at the interior of that that pit offensive line. But you know, if you're not creating turnovers, and I think that was the energy of this team was creating turnovers. This is probably the worst year in the last four or five years uh, since this whole turnover chain thing became something that there is very few turnovers being caused. And I think that was the energy of the those past teams starting when Mark Rick got there was that it was almost like it was something to play for and it became something in itself. And it just it charged the fan base. It charged up the team, seeing the ball get turned over. And it was like the the defense said, "Look, if we got to take things into our own hands and got to go score ten points to win a game, we can hold teams to to seven, three, maybe seven, even nine points and win a game ten ten to nine or worse." And at the end of the day, if the offense can give us a little something, they do. But it just seems like schematically, it just seems like they're backing off so much more than before and I get it you have you know you have guys like Sheldrick Redwine and Jaquan Johnson and Michael Jackson Joe Jackson uh and of course my favorite Gerald Willis who all of that that's a lot of production to lose I mean you lost a guy that was tops in the country and tackles for loss I mean Sheldrick Redwine was probably the better safety but he was also just he was all over the field he was he was huge so, you know, where does Miami go from here? It's going to be – it's all up to them. I think if they create havoc around Kenny Pickett, he's, they're going to have a good chance to win this one. And we all know what that's like with the kicking game. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's not even series to series. It's kick to kick. It, it's, it's a wild ride. And, you know, I don't think I want to be on that ride anymore. That, that ride is just – it's a terrible one. Now, before we get out of here, you know, we got to have a pick. Uh, we got to pick this game. And I know for me, it, it's like I ha- I've been kind of holding off on this one. I've given, given my thoughts throughout the rest on some other platforms uh, for my pick. But I haven't given as far as what, what can and can't be done for this team. But it's time for an official pick. So let's go ahead and give the official. Uh, actually, before we do that, I got to give. My two impact players, my one, my one on defense is Greg Russo. I think he can really cause some havoc, stop the run game. Uh, one AJ Davis is a is a very slippery runner. Uh, if he can kind of force that guy inside instead of letting him get on the outside and and just do what he does, I think that'll be something huge. And quite honestly, I think Nikosi Perry he's going to be the impact guy on on the offense. He touches the ball the most. He's going to have to make play after play after play without killing the team when he's ex- when he's extending plays throughout the throughout this game. I don't think it'll be enough, and I think this is where where we give that that pick that you guys have been waiting on. 
Um, for me, I look at how this how this game could go. I think there's going to be a lot of problems up front. I think uh, I look at how the offensive line has been switched cheese, as my as my co-host Corey Joyner does say. Uh, but for me, when I look at this game, I think Miami loses this game. Uh, again, the incons- the consistently inconsistent Canes are going to be the team that finds another loss and. And I think Pitt is gonna cover the spread on top of that. They're gonna cover those five and a half points. I'm taking I'm taking the Pitt Panthers to win this game, 27 to 14. Uh, this I'm sorry, 27 to 17. Sorry, uh, 27 to 17. Uh, it's gonna be a tough one, another tough loss for the Canes. I think that pass rush is gonna get to Nikosi. He's gonna start uh, seeing ghosts as one Sam Darnold. Uh, did on Monday Night Football against the Patriots. He's going to see a lot of those ghosts, uh, those pass rushers. They lead the country in sacks. Uh, they're averaging just over five and just a little bit over five sacks a game. It's going to be a tough one uh, for them. Now, before we get out of here, of course, we got to make sure, make sure you go on. on uh, we have our mailbag. We, we, we're going to have to save our mailbag for, for Monday, but that's I, I got you. I, we make sure we got you on the mailbag. We'll move that to Monday. Uh, but make sure you go follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Canes. Make sure you follow myself on Twitter at, at Fred Purdue CFB. Unfortunately, it looks like we have a little technical difficulties, but make sure you go follow Kelvin Harris, our former Miami Hurricane national three-time national champion and, and guest co-host. Uh, make sure you go follow him on Twitter at Ebony Lifestyles. Uh, again, it's going to be a tough one, folks. Unfortunately, I think there's going to be another Canes loss, and I – but we'll get through this. It's a process. Manny Diaz did not say that this would be a perfect season or that we'd be getting through this thing um, unscathed. So until Monday when we can break it all down and kind of talk about it, this is the Locked on Canes podcast. I am Fred Purdue. I'm your host. And for Kelvin, my co-host uh, for today, it's all about the you. Go Canes. Mm-hmm.